Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Join me if you would in the Gospel of Matthew tonight, Matthew chapter 20. Gospel of Matthew chapter 20. Would you do this? Would you please pray over the next couple of days, kind of regularly throughout the day? I hope you keep open lines with the Lord throughout the day. And uh, just pray whenever you, whenever you think about it. Every time you pass a parking lot, just pray, God, would you please work on that lot of love offering and uh, get us the permission. I already told our, our leaders that if, 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 if for some reason God wants us to do this project in the spring, that's okay. I'd rather do it right now. But if, if God wants, a, want us to wait, he wants us to wait till the spring, he's got a reason for that, right? And, uh, and that will be okay. We won't lose any sleep. We may lose a few hubcaps because <laughs> it's getting pretty bad out there. I, I took a, every once in a while, I, just, I take a walk to the back of the property and I pray as I walk around, you know. And I took a walk out that way the other day, Monday. In fact, I drove back there and I just kept looking. I'm not sure if you realize how large that parking lot really is. Yeah. That's a big parking lot, you know. And, uh, and so, and I think it's just going to look so nice when it's all done right. Good lighting and, right? Something to be proud of. So, let's pray and ask God to uh, show us his favor and get that done. Matthew's Gospel and chapter number 20. We're going to look at another one of those <clears throat> life lessons this evening we've been looking at on Wednesday nights. And I'll be honest with you, one, this, this one here, this one here is kind of like one of my favorites. You have favorite passages in the Bible? you know, and maybe favorite stories. You look at some of the sermons of Jesus or some of his teachings, and then you, these parables, you know, they're rich and, and just so, they can become so practical. This one here, I, I enjoy this one for a lot of reasons, a lot of personal reasons. You know, this has always been one of my favorite parables. And, and the parable in this text in chapter number 20, now pay attention to this, is an illustrated answer. So chapter 20, this parable, is an illustrated answer to a question raised by Peter in the previous chapter. Now you do know this, that sometimes you just need to keep reading on even when the chapter ends to get the completion of a thought. You understand that, right? Chapter divisions were not inspired by God. They came later on. You know, this was all just written, you know, as life, you know, progressed and it's supposed to have a flow to it. Well, chapter 20, the story told here is an illustrated answer to a question raised in chapter 19, verse 27. Look in chapter 19 and verse number <clears throat> 27. Uh, then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. Now get this, what shall we have therefore? <laughs> did, did, did you pick that up? Here, here's what Peter was saying in a nutshell. You got to love Peter, right? Peter's saying in a nutshell, so uh, let me ask you, Lord, what do we get in return for the sacrifices we've made. How about that? I don't know if any other disciple would have been bold enough to ask that kind of question. You know? Hey, uh, Aaron, would you come up here and help me lead the singing? Yeah, but what do I get? What do I get in return? You know, Aaron probably wouldn't be leading the singing because I would have said to him, thank you. <laughs> what, do you want, what would you like me to give you? 
you know? But Peter says, so uh, we, we've forsaken all. What do we get in return? Jesus gives them a theological answer in verse, in, in verse, 19, in, in, uh, verse 28 and 29. And basically Jesus says this to him in answer. He says, you get to rule and reign in the kingdom. How about that? And not only that, he says this to him, you'll be ushered into eternity after the kingdom age ends. And you would think Peter would say, hip, hip, hooray. That's awesome. We get to rule and reign with you in the kingdom. And then after the, the kingdom age ends, because he's speaking there about the millennial kingdom, right? After that thousand year reign ends, uh, you'll be ushered into eternity. What do you get in return? Man, they are divine. That's a divine investment, right? And the dividends on that investment. By the way, nobody really gives up anything when you follow Jesus, you know? It's not really a sacrifice. It's an investment because you get so much back, you know, uh, for what you put into it. And so he gives them this theological answer, but then in chapter number 20, he gives them a more practical answer. And he tells this story. Let's read the story. You ready? Let's read it methodically. Let's read it and get something from it. He says, for the kingdom of heaven is likened to a man that is a householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said unto them, go ye also into the vineyard and whatsoever is right, I will give you. And they went their way. Again, verse 5, again, he went out about the sixth and ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle and saith unto them, why stand ye here all the day idle? They said unto him, well, no man's hired us. He saith unto them, go ye also into the vineyard and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. So when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, now get this, they received every man a penny. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more, and they likewise received every man a penny. Verse 11, and when they had received it, they murmured, they complained against the good man of the house, saying, these last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and the heat of the day. Look at verse 13. He answered one of them and said, friend, I do thee no wrong. Did not thou agree with me for a penny? Take that thine is and go thy way. I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with my own? Is thine eye evil because I am good? Well, verse 16, here's a kingdom rule. So the last shall be first and the first shall be last. For many, for many be called, but few are chosen. Isn't that a great story? It's a tremendous story. Let me, let me just kind of paraphrase it for us, kind of what it's talking about. And so in, in the story, there's a vineyard owner who hires casual laborers. You know what casual labor is? You just line up, you know, outside a lot of times in the, the fruit industry or down in the shipping uh, areas, you know, down in Philly, they hire casual laborers where you just show up in the morning, you stand in line. If there's work, you get work, right? And so a bunch of guys show up six o'clock in the morning. The vineyard owner comes out. He's got a lot of work. He hires all the guys and he hires them. Did you notice it said for a penny a day? Let me make sense of that. That word penny in that text means denarius, which equals a day's wage. So it's not like he's skimping on them. He's going to give them a day's wage. So he hires them <clears throat> at 6 a.m. 
for a day's wage, a fair day's wage, right? Well, as the day goes on, work begins to pile up. The vineyard owner goes back out. You'll notice it talks about third, ninth hour, and so on. And he hires more guys. And what does he give them? A fair day's wage. Well, right at 5 o'clock at the 11th hour, they're going to work from 6 to 6. It's a 12-hour day. Right at the 11th hour, he goes out, and there's some other guys standing out there. And you know, you heard the discussion here. And he hires them. Right? So now they're all working. It's 6 o'clock. Workday's over. The vineyard owner says to his steward, his bookkeeper, go ahead and make sure you pay the guys before they leave. And so I guess the vineyard workers would come out at the end of the day. They would line up, and they would get paid. And according to this text, he begins to pay the last first. So the guys that got hired at 5, a, uh, 5 p.m. rather than 6 a.m. got paid first. And they got, get this, a full day's wage. You know? And then, of course, he comes down to the guys who were hired at 6 in the morning who worked 12 hours, and they got a full day's wage. Well, in that line, now there's conflict, and there's murmuring, and there's complaining. And somebody stands up and speaks up and says to the vineyard owner, hey, wait a second now, <clears throat> that's just not fair. He said, we've worked all day. We've been here from 6 in the morning, 6 at night. You know, we, we've been sweating in the heat of the day, and you pay us the same thing you paid those individuals and they've only worked for an hour and some only for three hours? It's just not fair, right? And I would say this, if I were in line, in my heart, I may not be bold enough to say it, but in my heart I would say, yeah, that's not fair. And you know what? It's not fair, but it's not unjust. It's not unjust, right? Why is that? Well, because the vineyard owner kept his word. Isn't that right? He had said to the people he hired at 6 o'clock in the morning, I'm going to give you a full day's wage. And so at 5 at night when he hires the other, I'm going to give you a full day's wage. I think the response came back, basically what he was saying to the guys in response was, well, what's that to you? I've kept my word. I've paid you. I'm paying you what I've contracted you for. Isn't that right? And so when you get into this text, it becomes, it, it becomes pretty, pretty obvious that, you know, we, we, we're living in a world that isn't fair. But in God's economy, you know, sometimes, sometimes we may feel the same, but even though it's unfair, it doesn't mean it's, un, it's unjust. The key, the key to this text is found in verse number one. We skipped over it rather quick. I want to go back and highlight it. It says, for the kingdom of heaven is like. You see that? And that changes everything. And here's the reason why, because now kingdom rules come into play. Kingdom rules, you know, and God doesn't govern his economy the way we are used to governing down here in our economy. Are you with me? Kingdom rules are different. In fact, kingdom rules say this, the first shall be last and the last first. That's not the way it works down here, right? Down here, it's every man for himself. It's a doggy dog kind of a situation, Correct. Huh? And so uh, he's going to teach some, some practical things here. And, and there's, some, there's a way to, there's a way to I, I think, maybe make a personal application with this. There's a common story, there's a spiritual truth, and then there's a practical application. So what's the life lesson? Here's the life lesson. The life lesson is sovereignty. Sovereignty, right? So what, 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 when we talk about sovereignty, what are, we, what are we talking about here? What's the idea with sovereignty? Who wants, who wants to comment? Anybody? Sovereignty. Who? God's will. Is that what you said? God's will? 
Sovereignty. Sovereignty of God. Jay? Say it again. Supreme power and control. control. Right? You've heard of the sovereignty of God. Right? You've heard that before? Come on, class. Raise your hand. Go like this. I've heard that before, Pastor. Are you awake? You with me? I've heard that before. Sovereignty of God. There's a lot of things we hear at church, right? A lot of terminology we hear at church. But what does it really mean? You know, do you ever hear the providence of God? You know, the sovereignty and the providence of God? Right? So the providence of God, sovereignty basically means this. The sovereignty of God is the fact that He is Lord over creation as sovereign. He exercises His rule. Kind of what just Jason just said. You know, He's supreme. He controls all. He owns it all, and He controls it all. It all belongs to Him. Now, take that thought into that story. The vineyard owner. Who's the vineyard owner? Come on, who's the vineyard owner? God. God is. Who's the workers? We is. Who's the vineyard owner? God is. Who's the workers? We are. Right? And what he's trying to do here, he's trying to teach a lesson to us that he is sovereign. It's all in his control. Right? And he's got control of it all. Amen? Huh? So how do we apply this? How do we take this in? There's, there's a couple of things here that I think just stand out to me that I really enjoy talking about. I want to give you a couple of practical lessons, life lessons from this parable, Matthew chapter number 20. First, I want you to notice this. It's never too late to come to God. Amen. It's never too late to come to God. Huh? Think about it. Think about the story. Uh, you got people entering in to the vineyard to work at various times. Right? You got some coming in at 6 a.m. And then you got some coming in at 5 p.m. Right? Vast difference. True? Uh, And then all others in between. You got some coming in at 9 in the morning, at noon, at 3 in the afternoon. Isn't that what the the story tells us? Uh, The fact is this. Now, now get this. It really doesn't matter in the end when you came in as long as you got in. Did you get that? Huh? Uh, I always marvel at folks who can get up and say, my daughter Nicole, for one, was saved when she was five? Five years old? Four. Four years old. Four years old. Her whole life. She's been saved her whole life. She's, she's 34 years old. She's been saved for 30 years. She's not 34 years old, but she's younger. Uh, isn't that wonderful? But then you have some who got saved when they were 34 years old or 64 years old. Correct? In the end, when, when it's all measured, you know what's going to be important? Just the fact that you got in. <laughs> That's just going to matter more than anything, right? I got in. But think of it this way. Maybe to just put a little spin on it, maybe those hired at 6 a.m. might represent those who've been saved all their lives. And those hired at 5 p.m. are those who got saved right before the end by the skin of their teeth. I mean, they just made it in. Yeah. I don't know if I ever shared this with you, and I won't get too deep into it. i just mention it. But uh, in our family, we've had, thank the Lord, God has moved in an unbelievable way in our family a lot. Most of our family saved. We have all kinds of preachers and, and teachers in our, in our uh, family, pastors in our family. It's amazing what God's done in our family. But the patriarch on my mother's side, his name is Joseph. He's my grandfather. And we prayed for him for 40 years, 40 years. My grandfather, Joseph, was a, 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 just a staunch Catholic. He's one of those guys that had a patron saint. Anybody know, does that ring a bell to anybody? Patron saint. 
And he would, he would wear a, a necklace uh, or a chain around his neck with the saint, and he had a ring made with the saint. And his, his patron saint was Jude, Saint Jude. And I don't know what he represents, what he's the saint of. You know, they have saints for travel, and they have saints for all kinds of things, you know, patron saints. Uh, and we prayed for him and witnessed to him and witnessed to him and prayed for him and witnessed to him. And he's come, I mean to tell you, he's come to all kinds of conferences and heard me preach. He's heard uh, some great preachers preach. We've had preachers visit him. I mean to tell you, he's been witnessed by everybody and nothing, 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 nothing. And we prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. A couple years back, four years, five years now, five years ago, my mother, uh, who was, you know, very close to my grandfather, well, she, she went to heaven. And uh, my mother would witness to my grandfather religiously, and I mean just loved them to death, and they were very close. Well, she went to heaven, and after 40 years of praying, right before her funeral, he got saved. Amen. He got saved five years ago. Now, you know how old he was five years ago? Five years ago, he was 96. Amen. You know how old he is today? I spoke to him on the phone this morning. He's 101. Wow. Amen. Huh? <laughs> he got saved. 96! Hello? Prayed for him for 40 years. Right? Here's somebody that got saved when they were four. Somebody got saved when they were 96. What really matters in the end? That you got in. It's never too late to come to God. Right? I'm not sure who's watching online, but we're praying for the Calabrese family. Mike's mom was 92 years old. I'm not sure exactly when she got saved, but thank the Lord she got saved. But the family's, I'm pretty sure Mike told me the family's Catholic. And so Mike is praying for his dad, you know, who's a Catholic, that, that his dad would understand salvation and be saved, right? And so on Monday, we're going to have a funeral right here in this auditorium, and we're going to try to do our, our very best to share the gospel, you know, in a very clear, very plain, very powerful way, so that Mike's family, who's not saved, now I think his dad is probably just as old as mom, 92, 93 years old. It's never too late to come to God, yeah. Right? And so maybe that's one of the great truths, practical lessons we learn in this story, Matthew chapter number 20. Here's another lesson. Everyone will receive what was promised. Huh? God is faithful. God is just. You know, all the workers in that story received the same wage. <laughs> Let me be clear about this. That doesn't mean that when we get to heaven, those who have been unfaithful will be rewarded like those who are faithful, right? Because that would violate Scripture. Isn't that true? Because that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches, and we, we talked about it a little bit last week, 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, right, where we need to make sure we're building upon that foundation. The foundation's laid. The foundation is Jesus. That's our salvation. We need to make sure we're building upon that. And if you're not, the Bible says you're going to suffer loss. You won't lose your salvation, but you will lose reward, Right? And so that doesn't teach, that, that uh, thought there doesn't teach that when we get to heaven, we're all going to receive, you know, the same amount of reward. No, if you've been unfaithful versus somebody who's been faithful, of course, their, their benefits or blessings or rewards are going to outweigh yours. However, this is a reference to getting into God's family, not just getting into heaven. Right? And I think, you know, what, what he's talking about here, or what I'm trying to say here is this. Uh, we're talking about developing a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ after salvation. And, and what happens at salvation is you receive the Holy Spirit. Right? So whether you got saved when you were 4 or 94 or 96, it doesn't matter. You got the same Holy Spirit. You got all there is to have. 
in order to do with it what God wants you to do, right? So nobody has anything more. It all depends on what you do with it, you know? And God is faithful. God is just. We may not think he's fair, but he's just. And, and everybody receives exactly what God has promised them. Others may have had a longer time to enjoy the Lord because they got saved earlier and had more years, but the fact of the matter is we all get the same thing. We all get the Holy Spirit and everything that comes along with it. Amen? Here's the third lesson. God does what he chooses. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that? God does what he wants to do. The earth is mine and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Isn't that what the psalmist said? That's what the Lord said. The earth is mine and all that dwell therein, right? And so God does what God chooses to do, and that means he's sovereign. He has the right to choose. You know what we have a right to do? Submit to him. He's got a right to choose. We have a right to submit to him. And I think this, I think when we submit to him, when we submit to God's uh, uh, sovereignty, we're blessed beyond measure. You know, he provides for us some wonderful things. It's kind of like the response here of the owner in this text of Scripture. You know, what's that to thee? Right? And that would be pretty much what he says to them. You know, what's it to you what I paid him? Right? I kept my word with you. We had a contract. You work for this wage, and here's the wage. What's it matter to you? You know what I pay this guy. And here's the truth of the matter. Grace disturbs our sense of justice and our sense of fairness. Grace, you know. Uh, but God owns the universe. He created it and created us. And he rules and reigns and, and does as he pleases. I like what Isaiah said. Listen to this Bible verse. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. The Bible says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God does what he chooses, right? And I'm glad. You know why? Because oftentimes, if I would have got what I wanted, or if I would have been allowed to make the decision, I'd have messed up. God knows best, doesn't he, right? And I'm glad he does. And then finally, be thankful for what you have. Think about it. Be thankful for what you have, right? So now, get, 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 get the gist of this and I'll let you out of here. These guys are in line. They're about ready to get paid. Isn't it a blessing to have a job? Huh? Isn't it a blessing to be able to earn an income? Right? So they're in line. They're about to get paid. And all of a sudden, they're grumbling. They're murmuring. They're complaining. Why? Because they're playing the comparison game. Right? They're comparing Right? I think this, I think if, if the guys that were hired at 6 a.m. had no idea what the guys that were hired at 5 p.m. got paid, they wouldn't have said a word. They would have just been thankful they got paid. But once, but once they saw that the guys hired at 5 p.m. got exactly what they got for working all day, as they began to compare, what happens? They begin to murmur. They begin to complain. Instead of being thankful for the day's wage, they complain. They miss the whole point. Huh. They missed the point that they were getting a day's wage, that God was providing their needs. I read this some time ago. Abe, Abe Lincoln, our 16th president, remember him? Abe Lincoln uh, was walking down the street one day. He had two sons. His names were 
Tab and Willie, and they're both, they both kind of just kind of ornery and, and complaining. The fellow was walking in the opposite direction. It was a friend of his, and he said, Abe, he said, what's wrong with the boys? And Abe Lincoln said, what's wrong with the boys is what's wrong, wrong, is with, is what's wrong with the world. And here's what he said. He said, I have three chestnuts, and they want two of them each. We all want more, right? I have three chestnuts, and they want two each. We all want more than what God is prepared to give us. And that's a sad commentary in our society today. We're just not grateful. We're just not thankful about what God has given us, huh? It's not fair. You're right. It's not fair. It's grace, you know? And if it weren't for grace, think about where we'd be. Because the fact is, if it were about fairness, we'd all lose out, right? Because when Jesus made that trade, you know, his life for our sin, where's the fairness in that? You know, that's grace. That's mercy, and that's grace. And I think this, since God has been gracious and generous to us, then we should in return show generosity and grace to others. Don't you agree? I hope you do. Remember, kingdom of heaven operates at a different level than we're used to. The first are last, and the last are first, you know? And that's just the way God works. Many are called, few are chosen. Amen? Amen. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you can give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.